everyone. Welcome to Two Northern Lasses. We are recording in lockdown again. So apologies if the um, sound is crap. That's why. Um, and I'll also be using my superior editing skills as well. So um, yeah, apologies for that. Um, so hello, Michelle. Hello, Jane. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. Yeah, good. Are you fed up? No, I'm I'm keeping busy. In fact, this week's been um it's actually Wednesday, so we should probably say what date it is. I think it's about the 29th. 29th. Yeah. Um yeah, I've, I think this week I've started with a different kind of attitude to work. Um being in a bit of a more positive mindset. I was asked to guest blog on um on somebody else's blog this week and they sent me a load of questions and it sort of made me think about my own mindset and positivity so I've started this week a little bit different and I've really got stuck into working on my software and um, so I feel like I've made a lot of progress with that so that's good I'm still doing a bit of gardening and I'm still doing a bit of cooking although my lemon drizzle cake sunk like the Titanic <laughs> and uh well I made some nice little potato croquette things with red onion and cheese uh which are not on slim world all by yourself all by myself wow um you have come on <laughs> and my friend magda who's a nutritionist sent me a lovely recipe the other day for um scones with um sweet potato orange and honey so that is on my list of things to do this for the rest of the week so i'll let you know how that goes next week so what have you been up to um i've been working a lot you know i still have this um like mind block thing that it's not work if you're not getting paid yeah i have been working because i've literally been sat at my desk all day every day but i'm not actually doing any work that i get paid for um so i've been doing my website for um the co-working space um very technical not particularly strong point but i've done it now um and yesterday, yesterday had a our first meet meeting <laughs> via zoom obviously um <coughs> with um some flex collective people you being one of them as you know um yes yeah, so somebody had said was, was i planning on doing anything online before i opened and i wasn't to be honest but then I thought well if there's a if somebody's asked me for it then I should do it so um and yeah that was pretty good I thought did you thought did you think it was all right yeah yeah it was good very good yeah I'm getting right into video conferences now I'm not here to look at myself <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a prep call before this call and uh, I said to Jane she said oh I'm just gonna go and do my hair and makeup and I said what are you putting your hair up for but she's put her hair up and and uh well, I don't know. We always used to call it the Essex facelift when you put your hair up so tightly, it pulls your head back. And you um, do it tighter for that. But it does look nice. And you have put some makeup on and I've got no makeup on. So anyway, never mind. Um, but you've been cooking as well, haven't you? Because you put a picture of something um, which is really re very relevant to our guests because we were going to have a bit of a cook-off before she came on, but we didn't, we well, we didn't we get organised. And I can't cook anyway. Um but yes. you cooked something, didn't you? What did well, you it wasn't me, actually. It was um, Ben and Lucas, my husband and son. Um, Ben's a really good cooker anyway. Lucas um, really wants to have some sort of career in um, like sports and nutrition and that kind of thing. So the only homeschooling that we're actually excelling at is PE and cookery. Um, so <laughs> yesterday, they've done it, probably done it three times now, but so yesterday now lucas's carbonara we had um which was really nice but really unhealthy um but yeah so he's learning he's learning quite a few of ben's kind of signature dishes i suppose you would say mm. um he's not he's not expressed any interest in my cheese bean bake can you believe it no i can't believe that <laughs> um, that's more at my street jane beans cheese and mashed potato Beautiful. So yeah, tonight yeah. we're having um, bolognese and Lucas is going to make a garlic bread to go with it. Great. Well, I think with that we should introduce our guest. Definitely. And, um, 
it's my long-term friend Lydia Shinwell and um, she'll probably laugh when I describe her as this but this is what I've put together. Restaurateur, <clears throat> hotelier, philanthropist and internet cooking sensation. <laughs> Welcome Lydia. Hi Michelle, hi Jane. Hello, welcome. <laughs> Thank yeah, and, and before we start getting into you doing most of the talking, I you're never going to believe this, but I was on LinkedIn earlier, and I always like to follow um, hashtag Huddersfield and see what, what's happening around Huddersfield. Um, and I clicked on this blog, which was an interview with a chap from Huddersfield, and, and he's from, a, I don't know this guy, but he's from a company called Quick Slide, and, it's, mm -hmm. and one of the questions was, what's your favourite place to eat and drink mm. in the Huddersfield area? And he said, Prego at Brig House. Oh, wow. Great quality, wonderful service, classy and value for money. And mm. I just thought, how bizarre is that, that I've just clicked on this blog link like half an hour before we're going to record this podcast. That's just fantastic to hear that. Yeah, and I think it only went on LinkedIn today, so you'll have to have a look out for that. I and I can't remember the chap's name, but anyway, so um, do you remember how we first met, Lydia? Well, I don't remember the precise moment, I've got to be honest, Michelle. I think most of those years were a bit of a blur, but it, because it was at university, wasn't it, in, yeah. in Hull, that well-known, established university <laughs> that we went to on beside uni. But I can't remember the exact moment, no. Yeah, well, I think you, um, you were a couple of years below me, weren't you? And um, I, I remember being in the students' union, but not, <laughs> we were at the college next to the unit, but mm. we used to always go to the university mm. students' union. Mm. And I remember being in there one day and some mm. friends from Huddersfield had come over to visit. And you walked into the unit, into the students' union, and everybody was like, oh, Lydia, it's Lydia. And I was like, who the hell's Lydia? <laughs> and, and they were like, what, you don't know Lydia? And I was like, no, I've, I honestly don't know, but when they said your surname, uh, which was Bevelacra at the time, I obviously knew the name because I'm from Huddersfield and, and it's a big, well-known Huddersfield name and, and everybody knows DeSandro's and Briarco and, and the family business. So, um, so I did know you from then on and, and we did become friends. And, and I think you used to be friends with a guy that used to live in our house or something like that. But, um, but I remember that night and... Uh, yeah, it was uh, all those years ago, about 30 years ago, crikey. See, I had to go to Hull to try and escape my past, but I couldn't even do it there, could I? Recognising <laughs> <laughs> me in the student union when I was three sheets to the wind. <laughs> yeah, but you're right, it, all, it, was, um, it was a bit of a blur, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it was good fun. Great memories. Yeah, so what we like to do, don't we Jane, is we like to take you back and understand what sort of path you took to get to where you are now um which you know you've got lots of stuff going on with the restaurant and the hotel and and the family business so um how did you first get interested in that kind of business in the food side of the business and yeah okay well that Could we just say what um lydia actually does do Oh, actually, yeah. yeah <laughs> you might have met her at university, but our <laughs> listeners didn't. <laughs> yeah, restauranter, hotelier, philanthropist, and internet cooking sensation. You better give us a bit more detail. <laughs> no, that's about sums it up, really. <laughs> um, director, I'm a director of both uh, DeSandro's, the Brycourt, Prego, and the Waterfront. So the Brycourt and DeSandro's are in Huddersfield. Prego and the Waterfront are in Brick House. Um, I am very interested in charities and um, also um, we have interested in my brother and husband and I help them import food and wine. So we're importers and distributors of food and wine to other restaurants, not particularly at the moment, but um, restaurants and um, supermarkets and things of that nature. Um, also, I'm into property. And property developing a little bit and rent properties out and just as much and probably more importantly I'm a mum of two teenage girls Gabby and Grace and um, married to John 
and that's probably me in a bit of a nutshell really <laughs> so um quite busy then no usually usually quite busy yeah furloughed at the moment though jane so um, yeah but i'm still managing to fill my time so there's not a lot of um what you've just described currently during lockdown that is not being quite severely affected has there Mm, that's absolutely pretty much everything that you do yes yeah but um one part of the business the continental wine and food business is we manufacture our own spirits um liqueurs um amaretto wines british wines and that's in huddersfield on leeds road actually uh me and jane will be down later (laughs) yeah we'll let you know yeah i'm going through wine right now yeah, you and everybody else <laughs> yeah exactly we've all got that issue at the minute i think um yeah so that we su- supply the supermarkets so that's doing okay because as you say a lot of people are still drinking um so that's okay but yeah the restaurant side of things definitely just put on a standstill and we're not even doing takeaways at the moment so mm-hmm. yeah but okay so take us back to hull then and um you did your degree in business business and french yes i did so yeah we'll start there but actually my interest in food came well before that time probably when i was in my mum's womb to be honest um because of i'm of an italian family my mum and dad are italian and um and no sooner was i in the world um I'm the youngest of two sisters and a brother and I've got loads of cousins and aunties and uncles and very very soon you know as I came into the world we were always gathering together every week food at the table long trestle tables of food like 10 20 30 people so as I grew up I was always surrounded by really talented people in the kitchen, like my uh, sisters, uh, my cousin Louisa, all sorts of relatives, men, female, all getting together to get family together over food. And um, I used to watch them whip up these meals in record time and get me doing the skivvy jobs like grating the cheese and setting the table because I was a lot younger but uh, I would always watch them and find it absolutely fascinating and then would sit down at the table for hours and have antipasti followed by pasta followed by main course then a dessert lots of wine so uh, lots of lots of wonderful memories going back as a child and then when I was 11 Um, my father and Sandro built the Sandro's at Birchencliff with the help of Sandro's then wife Nikki and um, that became a success instantly because it was the first Italian restaurant really of its nature in the area Um, so then of course going to the restaurant watching the chefs well the chef actually stayed with us when I was 11 he lived with us a little bit the first chef So, I mean, he was cooking things for me and our family. And I couldn't believe what I could do with an egg. No. (laughs) I know. Come and live with you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All my friends said the same thing. I always had loads of friends around. (laughs) So he scrambled egg and I'll never forget, you know, the tastes that you could achieve with really simple ingredients. If you know what you're doing. Mm. So, um, yeah, so that was when I was 11. And then... I started working at DeSandro's just on a Saturday night when I was about 16, 17, doing sweets and coffees and then hosting. So I was meeting all the customers and getting to know the customers and I loved it. I learned so much. It made me have a little bit more confidence and earn money, which is good. You know, my dad really instilled the value of money to me because he came to England with holes in his trousers and his belongings in a cardboard box just after the war. He was invited along with many other Italians to England um, because there was a shortage of labour in the mines. So he was invited without papers and that's where the word WAP comes from and that's without papers. So Dad, oh wow, I never knew didn't that. Know that. Fascinating, isn't it? I know yeah, it's brilliant hear of it and think it's derogatory but actually you know these people like my dad went to work in very difficult hard 
um, dangerous mines and that's um, where he sort of really did quite well because he mined a well that was a pit that was flooding and so um, it was dangerous and he was well rewarded for that so what he did with that money was he bought an ice cream van and with the ice cream van he used to sell ice cream by day and then sell Italian produce to the community in an evening he worked seven days a week um, and was selling dried pasta, tinned tomatoes, olive oil to the Italian community that popped, you know, you, they popped up in different areas at that time. And um, it was really well appreciated because they missed the home cooking, the home food. And, mm. and whilst my dad was so grateful, his first meal when he came to this country on the ferry was a bowl of porridge. And he was very grateful for it, but he thought, I think he thought, bloody hell, I think we can do a bit better than this. I bet he So that's where he started importing food and wine, set up Continental Wine and Food in the 60s uh, and started importing um, all sorts of goods and distributing it to delicatessens, restaurants, um, and then built De Sandro's. Um, so how did I get to this point? Yeah, I'm just trying to think where I got to now. <laughs> well, you were growing up, weren't you? And, he, and the chef was living with you. And um... yeah. So yes, yeah, so working at DeSandro's um, gave me another introduction to food. But really, um, I've, I've just grown up with it. And it's been part of my DNA. And um, it's, it's sort of stood me well in many situations, especially at university when I didn't have much money, but I did have some dried pasta and tinned tomatoes and tins of tuna. So rather than go to a dirty kebab shop at two in the morning or getting cheesy chips, I'd be saying to my friends, come on, come back to my house. We'll have a bowl of pasta. So that's what we did. <laughs> that's why you were all so thin back in the day. Healthy pasta at two in the morning. <laughs> yeah, did you have did you have a career in food in mind before you went to university or did you did you kind of think you were gonna do something else? Um to be honest with you, Joan, I had no idea. I had no career path at all other than wanting to really stand on my own two feet. Um my dad, my brother and my sisters all had worked together and um, they, they were very, very successful and I really wanted to try and make it by myself. I didn't want to be accused of nepotism. I didn't want to just go into the job after university and potentially take somebody else's job that might be more qualified. But after uni, my dad very strongly, it's very persuasive was my old man, I tell you. It was, come on, come work for me. I was like, oh, okay. It really wanted me to work for the family business. And there was actually a job there for me. There was a genuine marketing job. So after uni, I took my marketing skills and went to work at DeSandro's. And I worked there doing the menus, creating menus with the chefs, creating, uh, sending it to market, putting it out to people um, and also doing entertaining um, in the hotel and the function room. I was organising events and functions and conferences. And um, we also had another hotel called the Coatroyd Hotel that um, is no longer around. But uh, yeah, I looked after that for a while as well. So that's how I met my husband, actually. And we were, me and Jane were talking about this before before you came on. We were like, she said, oh, I went to Prager's when such and such and such and such. And, uh, but I don't know if they had it then, but you were the only ones that had Prager. Where you started Prager. Yes, that's right. We owned the building. And that was another Saturday job of mine that my dad made me do. It certainly made me earn a penny. Um, so from being 13, 14, that building used to be a pound shop. I think it was again one of the first pound shops to exist and my dad came up with that idea and I worked there on a Saturday and then after that time the building was leased out and used as a gym and then a carpet shop and then in 2000 year 2000 <clears throat> my dad said right let's use the building and convert it to a restaurant and hotel 
So um, myself, Sandro and my dad and dad's wife um, got involved with that. We all put money into it. And um, I was also given the job of designing it, which I felt I was really unqualified for and a little bit frightened about it. I still remember to this day, we were at um, a restaurant in Italy and my dad was telling me what I needed to do. And I was getting quite emotional saying, I, I can't do this. I haven't got any skills. I don't know how to design things. I don't know how to make bedrooms. I've never built, never worked with builders before. I don't know anything about planning and, and that sort of thing. And he just looked at me and said, of course you can do it. Anyway, you're doing it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I didn't have much choice. But I learned really, really quickly. And I was really grateful for the opportunity. And it's beautiful inside. Thank you. Really good job. Thank you very much. I did help, have some help from designers with the actual colour scheme and things like that. But um, yeah, you know, and dealing with um, catering companies, organising the kitchen and getting the kitchen laid out was fascinating. I was absolutely so lucky and blessed to have that opportunity. Um, but yeah, we, we set it up. Good. And for those people that listen to our podcast, we do have some listeners outside of the UK. Yeah. So um, Prego is actually sits alongside a canal. It does. And you do lots of work for the Brighouse community and the canal clear up. Mm. Is that something that you want to talk about? Yeah, many years ago, quite, I think probably about eight years ago, it was the canal area was looking quite dilapidated. There was lots of litter in there, lots of weeds, um, which wasn't good for our town. I love our town of Brighouse. It wasn't good for the town itself, but it also wasn't good for our business. If you think we've got um, a 52 bedroom hotel right on the canal side, it wasn't very attractive. So I came up with um, a little scheme called the Brighouse Canal Cleanup and I got in touch with the British Waterways, <clears throat> which is now the Canal and River Trust, um, a local barge, uh, a canoe club and lots of other people and the newspapers and Sainsbury's and I said, look, I'll organise this canal cleanup. Canal and River Trust brought all the litter pickers, the bags, the... Um, organizers skip things like that and um i put it out there and lots of volunteers came and then at the end of it i fed everybody so we'd then either go into the restaurant or i'd bring food out of the restaurant but would have a lovely big communal bowl of pasta and a nice hot cup of tea and people would bring the children so it was a really lovely family event I gave them a purpose and we offered um, uh, certificates to the children so they could show and tell at school and made them feel proud or they might use it for the Duke of Edinburgh award or something like that. But um, we've been doing that twice a year for, I think it's about six years. I think it must be six years. <clears throat> we've had to do it less and less, you know, now, Michelle, because I think it's like the broken window effect. If there's litter, people litter. But if it's clean and tidy, they don't. I know it's a horrible thing to say, but it seems to be a thing of, of um, human nature. But it seems to be keeping itself quite tidy. People are littering less. Um, but yeah, we, I set that up and that was quite nice. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a great initiative. Mm. So one of the things that we saw, one of the places we're sort of going to with a podcast during lockdown is down is how businesses and people adapt um to what's happening right now and and you mentioned earlier that um the restaurants are closed you're not you're not doing um you're not doing deliveries and things but <clears throat> we do know you are doing something else which is why i said you were a cooking internet sensation a bit far-fetched there though with that description <laughs> i like it <laughs> Well, I think it's probably airing on the side of positive, but I know that you're being talked about because I've got friends that, that don't know you, but they know what you're doing on the internet. So, um, wow. and, you know, I mentioned it to Jane when you'd agreed to come on the podcast and, and she obviously sort of knew who you were, but didn't know who you were, if you know what I mean. So uh, do you want to talk to us about your uh, little project? 
that could be a massive project by the way it could be and I, know, and I never ever started it thinking that at all in fact it started before lockdown if I'm really honest because <clears throat> excuse me suddenly realized that my eldest daughter's um, coming up to 18 she'll soon be leaving home and going to university herself and going back to that university story I thought bloody hell for all of my Italian family and all my memories of growing up around food I don't think I've spent much time teaching her how to cook and I don't want her to go to university and be eating cheesy chips and kebabs at three in the morning. <laughs> it's so, a right passage, really. <laughs> it probably is. I should just let her get on with it, really. <laughs> but what I started doing just even before lockdown was, was recording myself cooking a few simple things for the girls uh, just and just forwarded th- to them on the phone, um, just like fajitas or something like that. And... And they loved it. And they said, oh, mum, I love it. We've shown all, the, all our friends. And, uh, you know, thank you very much. You know, if we don't get chance, because time creeps up on you, doesn't it? And all of a yeah. sudden, they're leaving home. I've had a busy time, although I've tried to make as much time for my family as possible. I'm not a workaholic like my dad was. I take, I take them to school. I pick them up. I've always done that. Um, but we've never really had time to cook together so much so they, that they learn. I mean, they appreciate good food, don't get me wrong. They're, it's like being on a panel of trip advisors when I put food down at the table in front of them. They're my biggest fans, but also my biggest critics as well. So that's how it started, just videoing a little bit for the girls. And then when lockdown came, I thought, how can I market the restaurants without marketing the restaurants officially? Because... Um, you know, we were, we were on lockdown and, and I'm a, although I'm a director, I'm furloughed. So, you know, there are rules about that working when you're furloughed. So I did our first video together. I did it with Gabby and Grace and we made a cannelloni alla Fiorentina, which is a cannelloni pasta bake, basically. And we made it together and it was a lot of fun. We loved it. And I, we recorded it and I, my daughter showed me how to edit it using Splice, this device, this app that I've got a bit better at it now. But I mean, she can do it in 10 minutes. It takes me literally two hours. <laughs> <laughs> really, really bad at it, but I'm getting better. I'm learning as I go. So um, I thought, right, I'll put it on the Prego Facebook page. And within about three days, it got about 4,000 views. That's amazing. Isn't it, yeah yeah absolutely brilliant but then I got the eebie-jeebies and got nervous about it because somebody said to me um and and I took a little bit of advice from my husband my brother and accountant and they said look you know you have to be careful because you can't be seen to be selling for your company or providing a service for your company so I deleted it from the Facebook page and that's when I just continued cooking because I thought I like doing this. Um, I'm enjoying it. Seems that there's a little bit of an appetite out there for what I'm doing. I mean, if you think about it, before before lockdown, everybody's life is so busy, isn't it? We're so, so, so busy. And, you know, there's not often time to learn how to cook things. And also you might not have been lucky enough like me to have just learnt it as you're growing up um you might not have been shown it but we've got a bit of time now haven't we we've got time in our hands we all seem to be not all of us and that's fine if you're not for goodness sake everybody's struggling in their own way at the moment but if you want to learn how when you've got that time so I thought right I'll put it on my own Facebook page and I'll put it on Instagram And that's what I've been doing. So I've been cooking. I think I've done about 13 or 14 dishes now and put them on my Facebook page. You've really inspired my husband, who you also know from uni. Um, And he'll come out and he'll say, oh, have you seen Lydia's latest video? And, And they're all absolutely brilliant, Lydia. I love them. I love that you've got your wine. And the funniest one, was when you left out the garlic. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm Italian and I've left out the... I just thought I've got to own up to it because I can't have you all doing this recipe and then it tasting shit. (laughs) (laughs) What recipe was that? That was the pollo... It was a fettuccine al fattore. It's a dish from Prego, actually. It's from our our, um, menu at Prego and it's fettuccine al fattore, which is a really simple but really tasty um, pasta dish and really a, a great one for the family. You know, if you've got children, it's just, and you've usually got a lot of those ingredients in. Um, yeah, if you can remember to use them. That is. <laughs> and so what are your um, store cupboard staples? Oh, well, there would always be pasta, wouldn't they? All the things that we import... <laughs> tin tomatoes pasta olive oil i mean we go through god knows about you have you seen the amount of olive oil i use in my cooking yeah it's obscene isn't it but it's healthy it's good for you it's good fats it's good for your skin and your organs and just think in italy they're the longest living population in the whole of the world so there must be a reason for that so everything in moderation people can't see you on this podcast but you do look amazing Oh, I mean, your skin looks really healthy and it's, you know, that Italian diet is definitely suiting you. Yeah. I mean, I don't eat the pasta every day, Michelle. Uh, I know I've done a lot of pasta recipes, but these are things I'm showing that I've learned over the years. I think my children will eat. I'll cook my children pasta maybe three or four times a week, especially in lockdown because there's lunch and dinner, isn't there? Mm. Um, And that's fine, but I won't eat pasta every day. I might have it maybe once or twice a week Um, and I think that suits my body and my husband's a type 1 diabetic so uh, he doesn't eat an awful lot of pasta but we do like to have a lot of olive oil lots of mixed greens garlic onion chili uh, tomatoes loads of tomatoes Um, a lot of my pasta dishes that I've shown show a lot of cream and I'll do that for the kids but I won't have a lot of that I think you can have that in moderation can't you so I might have that once a week something like that but I I drink loads of water I try to listen to what all the healthy people out there are saying as well so I try to exercise drink lots of water take my vitamins try to sleep try not to drink every day I know it looks like I'm an absolute raging alcoholic on my videos doesn't it because I've always got a glass in my hand (laughs) Uh, me, me and Clive have introduced no booze Monday and Tuesday. Oh. We're trying to do, we're trying to do no booze Wednesday today, but we'll see. <laughs> I know ex- I know exactly where you're coming from. You you just need to have a few little boundaries, don't you? Otherwise, it's yeah. seven days a week. We've just had this discussion today, um, and my husband says it's boredom because I can get up like most days and go, I'm not going to have a drink tonight. No, last night was ridiculous. Drank far too much. Um, I'm not going to drink tonight. And then by about half past five, six o'clock, I'll be like, is it time for a wine yet? Yeah. Bad, really. Whereas under other circumstances, you would be just finishing work. You might start thinking about dinner. Exactly. Our working <laughs> days have definitely got shorter. Yeah. Yeah. We sort of finish in about four when it used to be like five, six, seven. Yeah. And yeah. there's no commute. Mm. so you know your days are longer we're just trying to convince each other that it's okay to drink every night aren't yeah we? we are aren't we yeah. um, <laughs> Lydia <laughs> it's quarter to three. <laughs> Ooh, it is <laughs> what we like to do Lydia to sort of when we bring our podcast to an end oh it's not ending yet is it I never get a chance to talk about myself <laughs> <laughs> do you want to talk about anything else before we get into the quiz bit yeah, is, is there anything, um, obviously with all all your businesses kind of closed at the moment, um, and as you said, you are furloughed, so you can't do any work for the businesses at the moment, but is there anything kind of thoughts going on in the background as to anything that might be different when, when you are allowed to reopen or, you know, how are you going to let your customers know that you're back up and running and get going as quickly as you possibly can I'm assuming that's that's your goal yeah that's what we need to do so is, I is, mean I do for, for, sorry Jane interrupt no no that's fine 
Um, fortunately, not all of the businesses are closed. So the, there's still the um, manufacturing of the um, of the drink division on, on Leeds Road in Huddersfield. That supplies the supermarket, so that's good. And we, are, we do rent out um, quite a lot of units. But this was going back to my father's day. Um, with a view to going forward when furloughs lifted and were allowed to go out in the world, uh, it concerns me. I think that restaurants will be the last to, uh, for the restrictions to be lifted. And what concerns me is that they might put um, some looser restrictions in, but allow us to open. You remember like when we closed, when we first had the news of closing, they didn't actually close us, but what the government did do was they said to people, don't go to restaurants. Mm. That was the worst possible thing for us at that time because yeah. we had to work. We had all of our overheads. We had to pay of our staff, but the customers weren't coming. And um, you can understand that why they weren't coming. Everybody was terrified. They could, you know, it's dangerous. But then, fortunately, the government did come up trumps. I mean, I, you know, whether you like this government or not, I mean, for business, I, I think they've. They've done very, very well for us to look after our staff, look after um, and also give us the rates holiday. I think that's fabulous uh, for a year. But going forward, if they were to say, yes, you can go to restaurants, but you've got to stay so many metres apart from one another and, and the staff can only serve you with gloves and a, a mask and a, and a, a visor. I just Well, for a start, in order to operate as a restaurant, because you, your margins are not high, you need the numbers. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I would worry about that going yeah. forward. Um, so I would hope that... Uh, well, I just don't know. You just don't know what they're going to say, do you? So that's, no, you don't. But um, no, and I think even even as a as a customer, going to a restaurant where you've got to be served by somebody with a mask and gloves on is not. It's that's not the interaction and the social side of things that you crave, is it? It's, that's like being in a hospital. Of course, it just um, brings it home to you the worries and danger when you're supposed to be out enjoying, enjoying yourself. yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but when they are finally lifted, which I'm hopeful they will be, you know, social media is such a fabulous tool, isn't it? To instantly get your message out there. Yeah. And what I am going to do, and I've discussed this with my brother, is I am going to put my videos on the works uh, on Prego and DeSandro's social media, Facebook and Instagram, and just risk it because effectively, you know, they're not earning, I'm not earning, earning an income from the videos, Um you could argue if I'm providing a service for the restaurant. I think I'm more providing a service for people that might want to learn about Italian. It's a community yeah. thing. It's you've got a definitely the community in your restaurants and hotels that are following you on social media anyway. Mm. And you it's not providing a service, but you you engaging in your community you're not exactly. selling and social media is all about engaging with your loyal um community and helping them yes. um you know and by teaching them what how to cook their favorite eat out recipes yeah. then yeah that that's really um good content for your social media pages yeah. but yeah you can't post it because you failed <laughs> but no i think i will do because um I think there's the argument, and I will have to have this argument if the Inland Revenue come and talk to me about it, or HMRC or whatever in months to come, um, and they say, look, you, you have been providing a service for your restaurant by posting these videos. I think I'll probably, you know, make the argument that actually, well, I'm, I did it because, and I, this is how I feel, that I want to communicate with the community and help them rather than help the restaurant. Of course, it does keep you warm in the minds you know you, it, it, there is a benefit to the restaurant but is it a huge service so that to stop me from posting them on social media i think i'm going to do it <laughs> go for it so have we finished about you lydia and can we get into the quiz yes we can <laughs> when, what we would normally do is we'd be sat in the studio where we normally record and i have this pack of cards and you would pick a card out of this pack and me or Jim would ask you the question and it is random so you're just going to have to trust me that I'm going to go through this pack of cards and when you say stop I'm going to pick a random card okay so I'm, I'm going through it now so 
Mm-hmm. Just tell me when to stop. Okay, stop now. Oh, what is your favourite childhood memory? Oh, wow. Not like we've put you on the spot or anything. That is a really hard one to answer just off the cuff. Yeah, I've got probably loads and loads of them. Um, it's got to be one of our, I think, a Christmas at, at, at our house because the, the, the festivals, Christmas, Easter, are big with the Italians and it would always involve loads of food which I love loads of good food cooked by amazing chefs in my family and all of my family being together enjoying being with one another and presents so (laughs) what's not to love yeah just um the the festivals a big you know Christmas Easter but I can't think of one particular time but I've got lots of lovely memories of Christmases with my sisters and my mum and dad and lots of love and warmth in the family. Because I can remember a lot of Christmases and holidays, but I can't remember a load of other stuff. (laughs) I can remember, this is, I think this is really random. I can remember my sister being born. So I was, I'd have been three and like a couple of weeks. And I can remember going to my grandma's because my sister was being born. And I, and I can remember what we had for tea. I can't oh. remember him bringing my sister home. What did you have for tea? We had plate cheese and onion pie, <laughs> which we then grew up um, with my mum making stuff like that. And in fact, we had a, we were talking about it the other day. And I said, Sven, I'm going to make that. I've not had that for years. Random. I love how that memory is linked with food as well, because mm. they often are, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, you associate a, a something, a, a gathering, and food, and it's often linked with a lovely memory, which is something uh-huh. so special when your sister was born. Yeah, yeah. although you really can't remember that so much. <laughs> My grandma used to make blackberry wine, and um, she used to give it to us all at Christmas, and we were only little. <laughs> we must be like careering around the house drunk. What sort of percentage alcohol do you think it was that wine? don't know but it was homemade and it was lethal (laughs) anyway right we'll go on to the next question Lydia so tell me when to stop I've got the cards I'm shuffling um stop now I don't know if we should ask this because people are going to think it's a fix (laughs) if you made a special dinner for your family what would you serve Oh my gosh, yeah, that is appropriate for me, isn't it? It's quite a few foodie ones in this pack of cards, isn't there? Well, okay. For instance, if it was my family or even friends, um, my go-to is always a lovely big antipasti to start because I know that I can prepare that beforehand. Um, it's out of the way, but it's so well received. So and it's very easy as well. Apart from laying out the meats in such a nice way, so it's really peeling with your eyes, using sun-blushed tomato, sun-dried tomato, mozzarella, bocconcini, and then doing a lovely um, uh, rocket salad, maybe with some brisola and shaved parmesan, <clears throat> some stuffed figs with goat's cheese wrapped in parma ham baked in the oven drizzled with honey and pine kernels all these lovely different textures and hot cold um garlic and all these lovely things all across the table spread down the table so when everybody comes and sits at the table it's already there it's just like a masterpiece on the table surrounded by candles and flowers and then i would do a, a very light small um, spaghetti al pomodoro, so homemade tomato spaghetti dish, just a little bit as a, an intermediate course. And then I'd probably do my pollo, the, the sausage, and um, it sounds really rubbish in English when you say it, isn't it? Sausage. But <laughs> pollo al salsiccia. <laughs> yeah, definitely better in Italian. <laughs> 
Chicken sausage. Yes, chicken and sausage dish <laughs> with salad and new potatoes. And then tiramisu to finish, homemade tiramisu. I think that would be my perfect meal. I've got a food coma now. <laughs> I don't really want my tea now. <laughs> I want to go out tonight. Oh. It all works. <laughs> no, yeah. we all want to go out, don't we? <laughs> yeah, just eat that Pomodoro sauce. Mm, really oh, good. the antipasti, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. With a nice glass of wine, yeah? Of course. <laughs> yes. Of course, with nice wine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we'll go on to our final question, Lydia. So uh, tell me when to stop. Okay, stop, Michelle. Ooh. This is not food related. Mm-hmm. If you could have any pet... Mm. What would you choose and why? Oh, I know I'm completely biased, but I know straight away I'm just totally, totally in love with my dog, Betty. What sort is Betty? Betty's, she is, I don't know what she is. She's a mongrel, she is a rescue dog. And I saw her on my friend's Facebook page with her sister, April, and John, and John didn't want a dog. But I knew that a dog would be so good for our family. This was about five years ago. And so I was really quite underhand, really, by my standards, because I usually always consult with John and get everything. We know we discuss things, we agree things together. But I just went and got Betty and brought her home. In fact, I did worse than that. I brought April as well, her sister. (laughs) (laughs) So I turned up with these two little rescue dogs that pooed and weed everywhere ran off they were nightmare two days they were just arguing because they're two bitches so they just fought with one another and I took advice and these dog people were saying you can't have two bitches together so oh we had to make the awful decision of letting one of them go and I spoke to the girls and they were really brave and it was really horrible but we decided to keep Betty because she we felt that she needed the love the most She'd had tail chopped off and she was just a little bit needy of love, you know, and very loving as well. And just what we needed in our family. And she's just been an absolute joy and godsend to our family. And I couldn't have any other pet. We've had rabbits and stuff like that. Oh, my God, that was a nightmare. (laughs) But but no, Betty, Betty the pet is my favourite every day. Mine's not. A dissimilar story to yours. Um, my Max, my spaniel, he was um, with a family who didn't want him anymore. anymore. Um, and he was offered to a friend of mine and she knew that I wanted a dog. And she said, oh, why don't you have a look at this one? So I convinced um, Clive, who definitely didn't want a dog, and the kids that, you know, this dog's 10 months old, it's house trained already and it's a really good dog. We won't have to do all this stuff with it. Um, and we got the dog. And yes, he was house trained, but he was so naughty <laughs> with everything else. He's, I mean, he's, I took him to dog training for about a year. He's still, he's okay, but he's, he's not in a gym. He is. I think he's well behaved. He, he's okay to a point. Um, he's a bit ditzy, isn't he? Yeah, he's ditzy. Um, <laughs> But I agree with you, Lydia. They're just such an amazing addition to a family out there. Oh, stop. I want a dog and I'm not allowed. And oh. I think if I did what you did and just turned up with one, we'd probably be both out on our ears. So. <laughs> yeah, and I think, Jane, I don't think your two cats would be very happy with it. Mm. No, I think it's a myth that cats and dogs don't get on. I think it depends on I... their own personalities. Yeah. Just much like some people don't get on with other people. Mm. Um, but no, I can't have one. We have got two cats and I do love my cats. Aww. They're very special cats. I told Fox I loved him this morning, actually. Oh. But he didn't answer. I tell my dog every day that I love him. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's just like they know. Yesterday I was in the kitchen and Betty was in the other side of the house. And I just said, not in a different tone of voice. You know, sometimes when you talk to your animals, you do a dog voice, don't you? Like, oh, we've been walking. <laughs> You've all got a dog voice, haven't we? And I just thought, I'd just say, is there a dog in the house? 
just like that I did and then Betty trotted around the corner I swear she understands me I think they do understand yeah and our cats definitely know something's going on yeah definitely um and they like we shout them at certain times of the day and if if it's if it's like lunchtime or it's tea time then they'll come running but if it's any other time they'll just ignore you yeah um and they've also been you know cats bring presents home mm-hmm. um and they've always done that on and off but they've brought loads of them last month or so really? loads of mice because they like, want you to know because you're at home all the time yeah so they, they love you yeah. yeah yeah i won't get into my dog voice because it takes a slightly chinese turn <laughs> well <it's cool. laughs> I can't actually put it on record because anybody that hears it just absolutely kills themselves laughing. Um, You're going to have to do it now. I'll I'll save it for a drink-induced podcast, but it won't be today. (laughs) But um, anyway, Lydia, it's been amazing to catch up. And you look brilliant and you sound brilliant. And I'm sure when this is all over, all your loyal customers are going to come flooding back. Um, oh, 100% because yeah. there's one thing that I mean we miss a lot of things don't we mm. but I think one of the things I can't wait to put some high heels on mm. put a proper yes. face of makeup on and do my hair and clothes that you know don't resemble pajamas and go to a restaurant is that's one of the first things I want to do yeah and meet my friends yes yes yeah. So you're not even going to have small groups. It's going to be full of massive groups of people, isn't it? It's going to be so. crazy. It's going to be like the post-war years of hysterical yeah. laughter and joy, and hopefully, unless we're hopefully. just all distanced and used to distancing, but I don't think so. I can't I wait. That, to I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, we'll get yeah. there. It's been really lovely chatting to you. Um, yeah, I'm starving now. <laughs> I am. Really nice to put, uh, well, to see you. I know I know it's a podcast, but I can see your face, Jen. It's nice to put a face to a voice because I've listened to you. Yeah. Podcast, so it's lovely to see you. And you're doing great work, girls. Keep it up. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We'll really... do our best. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me on. You're no welcome. Problem. It's a pleasure.